Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Monuments Men, directed by George Clooney and released in 2014. An unlikely World War II platoon is tasked with rescuing art masterpieces from Nazi thieves and returning them to their owners. So I saw a tweet yesterday that described this movie as Oceans with Nazis. Yeah, that's what and I I'm, wrote in my um yep. in my review. I was it's I was like it's like Oceans 11 but not as good. Yeah, it's and and that's kind of it. It uh Clooney just wanted to hang out with his friends and why not fly to Europe and make a movie about Nazis while we're at it? It was pretty much the vibe I got from this. Yeah. Yeah, um I wrote that too, but it, it doesn't have any of the like the thing about Ocean's Eleven is that A, it's not dealing with a serious topic. So it's perfectly acceptable for you to go and hang out with your friends and Where? and you know. Mm-hmm. I mean theft is I suppose a sort of serious topic, but it's theft of people who have millions of dollars anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't really I mean, it was just a heist movie. Yeah. And which this, is kind of what this is, but not as good. <laughs> well the biggest problem I had is that this has the storytelling's not good. Mm. It's really lazy screenwriting and they kind of just I get that it's based on a true story, but it kind of just meanders along and I never felt like any of the stakes were very high. I ne- I, I knew who was going to die ahead of them die. I knew who was going to die from watching the trailer and any time there was something yeah, where there were- Yeah, non-Americans. Yeah. And any time there was something where there were stakes, like, I don't know, Matt Damon stepping on a landmine, you knew he wasn't really in any danger. Like they were trying to make it out as though there were stakes and they just weren't. I just didn't, yeah. Yeah, um, I basically went to see this because it has Jean Dujardin in it, and I like him. <laughs> and he, you know, got to smile a bit in the movie, and that was nice, mm-hmm. and then died. Mm-hmm. I missed that, actually. I missed his death. I was in the toilet when he died. Oh, no! <laughs> I know. I had to go really badly, and I was like, I'll just be two seconds, and I went out and I came back in, and then he was gone. Well, his death and also um, Hugh Bonneville's, uh, yes, spoilers. Um, Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and his death and Hugh Bonneville's were both, that's where I started to be like, huh? Because they act the way they play out the deaths on screen is like, oh my gosh, you should be, you should be, you you would should have built up a relationship with these characters and care and be really sad that they're dying and look look at them going out like heroes. And I hadn't. They no. hadn't taken me on that journey. They hadn't. I well, hadn't, they were the two least developed characters. But none of the characters were developed. No, none I didn't, of them were. I I liked. I liked. Um, Bob Balaban, I liked. Yep. Um, he was really fun. Yep. And I probably would have been sad if he had died. And I thought Kate Blanchett was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire was a really interesting character. Um, she was really, really in the role. Like, she carried herself differently. And mm-hmm. and uh, she really sort of inhabited that person. Those were, for me, the most interesting scenes. Mm. And she's, like, I think the only woman who gets even screen time in the whole thing. Yeah, I, I went back later. There's a couple of other women that you see, but she's basically the only one. She's oh, right. There's a wife. Yep. Um, Stahl's wife. Yeah. You see? Um, that's it. That's all I can remember. Yeah. And, and Bill Murray's character has a daughter who you hear, but you never see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, but, like, I just didn't find anyone very developed. I wasn't attached to anyone. I think, um, like, possibly Clooney and Damon were coasting along on the fact that they've got fans, like <laughs> me, who will come along and see this and be like, oh, it's Matt Damon. He's lovely. It's why that we never really think that Matt Damon's ever going to cheat on his wife because he's got this whole persona built up outside of this where he's this nice family man. And you know that – and so that's – again, this was this stakes thing. The stakes were that he might cheat on his wife while he's in Paris with this – trying to get information out of this woman. 
But you know he's not going to because this is a George Clooney, Matt Damon movie and in the end every, the status quo has to be restored with you having full respect for everybody involved. Yeah, um, I think also there's something about, like, Ocean's Eleven had this kind of energy and, like, a fizz to it. Yeah, it like, was Like, there was something in it. Not just that, but, like, the the relationships between all of the actors worked in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew that they were old friends when you watched the movie and that worked for the movie. It doesn't work for this one, especially since a lot of them are only getting together for the first time. It just doesn't really flow. And I did write somewhere that um, George Clooney seems to be relying on the charm of his actors as well, especially people like Bill Murray, who gets given nothing to do. His character does almost nothing. He cries once. That's it. Mm. I was just going to say that, actually. he There's... Basically, this coasts along on the fact that this group of actors are good comic relief. Mm. Like, Bill Murray gets to be funny, John Goodman gets to be funny, and Bob Balaban gets to be funny. But they basically just playing themselves. I did themselves. really like Bob Balaban in this movie. Right. <laughs> like, he was my favourite. He was just so adorable. Well, the whole conceit is actually really great. That These sort of slightly yeah. older, uh, very well-established, wealthy academic men who are are suddenly thrust into being soldiers and off in the war and living a dirty, difficult life. That was great, especially the idea that Bob Balaban is this uh, posh New York art critic. Is he an art critic or is he an architect? I can't remember which one. I think he's an art critic. Yeah, he is. I think um, um, somebody else was an art- architect. And for whatever reason, when they go into the army, they get assigned ranks and he's assigned to be a private. Yeah. And it's this delightful indignity and that makes him very funny the whole time. Yeah. The others all get to be like lieutenants and – sergeants and whatever but for some reason he's a he's a private i don't know but it was a cute little joke and i like the whole conceit of the idea of these like pampered academics having to go in and actually fight in a war well it's an interesting idea as well the the art um saving the art so that the civilization sort of doesn't die out like yeah. that there's a there's a record of their history and um there's a couple of the pieces of art that you get more attached to than the people <laughs> Yes. Um, in the movie, um, which kind of makes sense because they're more attached to them than the people, really. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Uh, especially the, the big, um, what's it called? The, the big freeze thing? The Oh, the Ghent altarpiece. Yes, that. That was really, really beautifully shot and really beautifully, like, you really connect to that piece, mm. I thought. They did a good, he did a good job with the art. But, I mm. mean, when you feel more for the art than the people, that's probably an issue. Mm-hmm. Um what else? There was something else I was going to say, and it was. Ugh. Oh yeah. Um. There's there's this point at which George Clooney calls John Goodman's character a good egg, mm. and I feel like that's kind of one like that sums up a lot of the problems with the movie because everybody's like they're all a good egg. They're all these like older male buddies that have gotten together and stuff, and and none of them have anything else to them. Right. And and it's a like, lack of development because, like I was saying before, you're supposed to be like Hugh Bonneville's character is supposed to have this redemption arc and, you know, die in this heroic way, saving himself from from a past of where he was an alcoholic and he hadn't been going very well. But they don't, don't really set that it. up. They, they, they tell you that he was an alcoholic. We see him answer a phone call in a bar, but he doesn't look drunk. He doesn't look like he's hit rock bottom. He doesn't – there's nothing – in there to tell me that he was, but that I should be rooting for him in this redemption arc. And it's just, it's not not just him, it's all of them. Yeah. I don't feel like that way for all of them. There's like a brief period where you, George Clooney, again, tells you that he has kids and that, you know, maybe he, he wants to come home because he's got a wife and kids, but you don't, you never see that. It's never developed and you they're never really 
in your head as something you're worried about. Maybe that's why Bob Ballaman and Kate Blanchett's characters were the best ones, because they had arcs. Yeah. They both had story arcs in this movie. Um, and Bob Ballaman, and partly part of his story arc was making friends with Bill Murray. So they were delightfully, you know, at each other's throats and, and grumpy with each other for the whole movie. And then at the end, they're friends. That's kind of their arc, right? Mm. And I so think- that kind of works mm. well having something there. Um, George Clooney has an arc where he has to, like, because of Hugh Bonneville dying for this statue, he has to try and find the statue, but we don't care. No. <laughs> like, we really don't because care. Because we, d- we haven't been set up to care about Hugh Bonneville's character. Right. Or any, but, uh, nah, anyway. And they try and set it up with Bill Murray's character, but it comes too late. Mm. And when, then we have this big Christmas, long Christmas song in the middle of this movie, which is coming out in, in uh, February or March. And that was weird. But I guess it was supposed to come out for Oscar season. So maybe that was why that was in there. But it, also, it just, it was, it was a nice character moment for Bill Murray's character, but it almost didn't, wasn't quite, Enough because not 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 enough had been done to establish all that about him. Like that yeah. he was a granddad and he was off doing this thing, and it was really a big yeah. deal. And yeah, um, I think one of the things that really really bothered me is the amount of jingoism in it, like the amount oh, of nationalism yeah. in it. It's really in your face. Um, we were talking before about saving the civilization, and there, if you wipe out a, uh, their art, you wipe out their culture, and. Clooney goes on and on about how this is the foundation of our current modern world and all this sort of thing. And you're like, so racist. Right. (laughs) So racist. It's it's a very um, Western idea of what is culture and history and all that stuff. And and you think about it all the times that, that, um, like, white people, uh, these Europeans have gone out and destroyed other people's cultures and art and all that sort of thing and torn down their civilizations. And here we are, like, obsessively trying to rescue the the culture of the people who have gone off and destroyed other people's. And you're like, oh, so it was just, like, it put my teeth on edge every time he Mm. talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate the concept behind it. And it would have been fine with me if he hadn't mentioned that this is, you know, the most important thing in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have minded. Um, it would have even been nice if they had mentioned other civilizations that it's happened to. Yeah, or it, or at least said it with a touch of irony and a recognition yeah. that this is what happens. And the only person who seems to be even a little bit worried about this is that Kate Blanchett's character actually mm. doesn't trust the Americans to restore this art. And she's actually got a really good point. Yeah, she's great. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just terrific. Like, you... I I was just with her the whole time she was on screen. Um, she put so much more into this than anybody else in the movie mm. because her character is a real character rather than just a caricature of somebody like an older dude in the war. Mm. I mean, she was a real sort of person. Yeah, she- and I know the others are supposed to be playing real people, but they don't act like them. The other thing is um, mm. whenever somebody dies or whenever something happens, nobody really reacts to it. Mm. Like they don't feel it doesn't feel like there's any stakes. There's this weird conversation where Matt Damon is on a cart with some guy. Yeah, he's staying with him. He's staying never, with him. It's never really well established. Yep. And they're talking about he's he's talking about how his son is fighting in the resistance up north. Yep. And then they go tough times. Yeah, tough times. And you can tell they're trying to be you know manly men, macho men who are you know trying to get through this war and they try to get through it with good humor. But there's real stakes involved and. You're like, it doesn't work because we haven't seen anything bad happen. Right. <laughs> and there are work. no stakes because we're not invested in that and we don't, we're just here up north. And so 
therefore you're expected to have because World War Two has been retrod and trod so many times, and it's such well covered ground. You're supposed to know that kind of history that things you know you're supposed to have in your head. Oh, that he's up north. That must be really bad because you know, this is 1944 and the Normandy landings just happened. But it's not established in the world of this film that it's really scary, and also no. we don't see enough of this old this guy who's got a son off in the resistance. So. You just don't – even the way they deal with it with uh, Kate Blanchett's brother, we never see him. But she's got this brother in the resistance yeah, that's right. who is killed and and she reacts beautifully and plays the part beautifully. But we just sort of like – See, I thought that was actually much more effective because it wasn't about the brother. It was about him, about Star her. not letting her – see him or have the body or it, and yeah. it was about her trying to keep her cover that wasn't really like that was the stakes because the stakes were for her because she could get in trouble for him dying yeah like for so him that being was the resistance. actually yeah so i changed my mind that that was actually quite effectively done yeah and there were piece. stakes for her because she ends up going to jail mm. like she goes to jail and they have to get her out of jail so you know it's it's um and they, she goes to jail for being a conspirator which is I mean, it's just really interesting. And that, that whole storyline, I would love to see a movie about her character. That was the best thing in the movie. She was fantastic. Mm. Um, well, if the movie had been about her, it would have been a much better movie. That story what, is one that exists. It, mm. it's, it happened. It's one but that this has been told. Too, and it should have yeah. been, it should have felt like it was one. And it didn't. It was just like, we did this and then we did this and this happened and then these guys died, but it doesn't matter because they were foreign, but me and all my buddies got out. And and I, I guess I suppose we learned something, but there was it was just a classic lot of tell, don't show, a t- telling, not showing. Yeah. Like, and it was just, ugh. I really want to see a good Jean Dujardin movie again. I love the artist and I want to see him in something good because he's so wonderful and I love him. I Yeah, he's probably doing French stuff, but we just don't see a lot of French Well, yeah, movies. but that's the thing we don't. And then, yeah. I mean, you'd think he would get a little bit more to do, but anyway. He, he was great, though. I, I liked him. He um, was. I mean, he was a nothing character, but he yeah. was so charming as a nothing character. He was very good. Um, What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, there were some things I liked about the movie, though. Yes. Putting all of that aside, there no. were a couple of things I really liked. I thought the music was amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved the music. I know it was really, like, old school, you know. Um, I was expecting Captain America to show up. With yeah, exactly. It. it was great. And I love the music in Captain America, as I've said before. Like, the mm-hmm. whole aesthetic of Captain America is brilliant, I think. Yep. Um, and so I like. I really liked the music in this. Um, I think there were some they, – they go through some really picturesque locations of war. <laughs> which yep. looks really, really good. And um, I did think, like I said, a couple of the performances were really, really good. Yep. Um, Kate Blanchett was good and Bob Balaban was really funny. And I just really liked him. I was actually kind of worried that he would die a couple of times. So that's something. Yeah, I was worried he was going to die too. At the, you know, when the, the they come across the soldier mm-hmm. in the woods, I thought he might die then. Um, that was a good scene, actually. I really liked that scene. Mm. Um, that, that was, was well a, done. Because that felt like a really emotionally connecting moment between these people who don't speak the same language and who are all really scared and so Bill Murray tries to like take away the tension and then they have this moment of connection before the soldier goes away and it feels like kind of the soldier was just a guy doing his job and there's that kind of and that's there's that kind of realism of war in it as well Mm. you know and that especially with um, Bob Balaban as the private who just has to go out there and do it and then the soldier as well. That was really good. I Yes, I like that bit too. Um, so I think it, there were a collection of fairly good scenes in there that just didn't come together as a movie. Yeah, and I, I never got bored, which is always good. Yeah, me um, And it's it's got a lot to do with the 
the script, although the story wasn't very well told, there was a lot of charm and mm. there's a lot of charm in these characters who in a lot of senses are playing either themselves or characters that are not dissimilar to themselves. Mm. But they, they're, you know, given – there's lots of funny one-liners and silly little things that they do and ways that they bond as a team, which quite which work quite nicely. And, yeah, as you say, things like that little scene there, the stuff with Kate Blanchett was really quite good. But yeah, that that sort of stuff is nice. And the guy who played Stahl was good too, actually. Yes. Who was this kind of lower ranking Nazi officer who wanted to be a higher ranking Nazi officer and had these big ideas mm. and then has to sort of slink away back home at the end of the war and pretend that none of it happened. Yeah. He was so I, I thought he was interesting actually. And there was this really great scene where Kate Blanchett takes it has to take a glass in and she takes it picks one up off the shelf and spits in it and then she holds it out to the other woman who's in the there's another woman yeah. who's in the room with her and she says it's for Stahl and then the other woman spits in it too and yeah. she takes it in for him to drink from. That scene is terrific. Yeah. A lot of the stuff where the heroes weren't in it was really good. Yeah. Well, it, it, there was actually a good scene you've just reminded me of when um it's Bill Murray and Bob Balaban uh, head, have headed off into Germany on their own and they meet this guy who's like, oh, my son studied art in Paris. I'll take you to meet him. And they go to his house and he, they discover that's, his – Yeah, that's the Stahl scene. The, yes. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff was it's, – it's Stahl. That's who it is. Oh, right. Oh, well, that would have made my life easier if I'd figured that out. But we knew it was him. He looks the same. I didn't. I was just like some other <laughs> random German. I didn't know that. Okay. I just – I was like, he's just – I just figured there were so many collaborators. I just didn't actually recognize him as Stahl. I see. Uh. Okay. Well, that was Stahl. Oh. So that scene is actually, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, then Kate Blanchett goes, they arrested Stahl. The people who arrested Stahl, arrested Stahl were Bill Murray and Bob Balaban. We saw them do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, I just thought they'd arrested some random. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens. Yeah. Um, and then, he, you know, when his kid, they do the great bit where, like, that scene is so tense and then Bob Balaban is so cool and calm in it. And it's so yeah, great. That, and then, that scene is really well done. Yeah. And then his kids, he says, Heil Hitler, and his kids, kids go, stand up and go, Heil Hitler. And and mum's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that scene was great. Was great. No, I yeah. really like that. If, 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 and now that it's was connected to the whole though, movie. Yes, that was effective even though I didn't know it was Stahl. <laughs> It's just funny. Um, it, it, this is the thing, though. When you see, like, random Nazi officers, you don't pay attention to what they look like. Like, you don't. Well, he was anyway. kind of an important one before that. Yeah, I know. So. I just hadn't clearly wasn't paying enough attention. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that scene was really good, actually. Bill Murray and Bob Balaban seem to have gotten a lot of the good scenes. They were the best little team, I think. They were. Only because, was it John Goodman? And Yeah, it was John Goodman with Jean Dujardin. Mm-hmm. And they have a scene where there's a kid shooting at them and they go and get him. And that was the most war scene but mm. to be fair there's no war going on because it's the end of the war mm -hmm. so they don't get to show you much well, war because there's no more war when they first go in there is a bit of war going on but to, but by about halfway through the movie maybe maybe two-thirds of the way through it's all over anyway yeah, but it's it's winding up even when they go yeah yeah like they talk about how it's winding up when they go there yes yes because they um, come in after just after the normandy invasion or something which is like the last phase of yeah. the war yeah yeah so there's there's they're they're chasing the that's the kind of the which would have been really good if they'd done like maps or something and shown them chasing the nazis across the country because yep. that's essentially what they were doing was they were following the nazis across not the country the continent yeah for a lot of it so they end up in germany and they start out in different places all over it would have been good to have maps so as a visual support for that so that we would know what they were all doing 
And so this, again, comes back to what I originally said about this movie being lazy. Mm. There's a whole lot going on that is just assumed knowledge. It's assumed you know what's going on in the war and where they're up to. And it's assumed and where all the places are that they're going to. Yeah, vaguely. Like we see a couple of maps of Germany, I think, or the, mm. the, the Western Germany where they have to go and get these things. Um, you, It's assumed that you know all this stuff and it's, it's just as it's assumed that you know Bill Murray, therefore you know why you want to like Bill Murray's character or you know Matt Damon and therefore you know why you want to root for him. It's a whole. There's a whole lot of yeah, stuff going way on. That's more interested in Kate Blanchett and all those yeah, things. Yeah, and you. But exactly, and there's a whole lot of stuff that's sort of just assumed and coasts along in there that you're supposed to get engaged with, but you, it doesn't ever make do any work to make you get engaged mm. with any of that. Yeah, and more more of the effect on the people who the art was actually stole art was actually stolen from would be nice. Well, there was none. There was like no Jewish people in the whole thing. Maybe Bob Balban's no, character. No, that's not true. The German kid that they go with is a Jewish. That's right. There you go. One person. Um, and a couple. Uh, yeah, I think Bob Balaban's character and maybe a couple of the other guys actually. Bob Balaban's character definitely is because they talk about yeah. it in the scene, mm-hmm. the good scene in Styles' house. Right, um, and there's there isn't. There's always it's always like some other person, and even with the little kid, like the little kid, the kid who's a translator. <laughs> I don't mean the little kid. I mean the um. The kid from New Jersey who's German, who's mm. he escaped before the war. So he and his parents have escaped, and there's supposed they kind of try and manufacture stakes that his grandfather has disappeared and oh, been taken to that. Dachau. <laughs> but yeah, they, and, but again, we don't really. Like, it's just something that is mentioned, and you're supposed to, upon that one mention, you're supposed to be attached to the idea that this kid wants to save his grandfather or find out what happened to him. But again, you're not really attached to it. I think one of the saddest moments in the whole film comes at the end when George Clooney is showing another one of his slideshows to the president and uh, he he says there's all these pieces still missing and he clicks to one that we watch get burnt. Yeah, yeah. That was really, really sad. Again, feeling more for the art than the people. That was like a really sort of effective moment because you're like, wow, this really did happen. This really, this art really was destroyed and we're never going to see it again. Yes. That should have been in there more. Like, that's what we were fighting for, right? Yeah. That's what we wanted to see. Uh-huh. Um, there was also a cool moment when they were looking through the mines and somebody turns on the light and then, like, you see just this massive cavern of gold yeah. that's been stockpiled. And that was kind of – those were really interesting insights into what the Nazis were actually doing during the war. Mm. Like, we always think about um, all of the – I mean <laughs> – I'm not saying that this is worse than all of the people they killed, but it is an interesting side note to that history and that story that I didn't know about. Yes. Like huge stockpiles of gold, huge stockpiles of art. They stole so much stuff Mm. and we didn't, like I didn't know about it. I've heard it mentioned a couple of times in movies before, but it's never been ever been the focus of anything. Yep. And it was really interesting to see it be the focus of something. Like this is what they were doing as well as – all the horrible killing of people, they were also stealing all of their culture. Yep. And since that's the point of this movie, yeah, it would have been nice to see more of that. Mm, yes. And I, I guess there is also somewhere in there like an economic motive behind what they did. They, they were very specific in going after a group of people who had money and art and all that kind of stuff because they themselves were – I don't know that they needed more money. They wanted more money. They were greedy. They were, that's like that was a part of what they were doing. Well, it was part of their master race thing that if yeah. they had all of the money and all of the art, then they could take over everybody else. And they were the you know the ultimate perfect yeah. people. 
uh-huh. and the ultimate perfect people needed to rule everybody, so they needed all the money and all that sort of stuff. Um, right. I think that's that's more and and this- like there was a genuine um, belief behind it. That's one of the scary things about World War Two is yeah. this religious fanatical belief in the Nazis and stuff, mm. and they were preying on people's fears and so. Yeah, but it would have been really interesting to see more of the cultural side of it since it's all, the movie is about preserving culture, which is interesting because there's nothing particularly cultural about it and we're probably all going to forget about it in a couple of years. I had for- I saw it on Thursday and I'm already forgetting about it and it's now Sunday. So <laughs> I remember being really excited about this when I first read about Me it. Me too. I was really excited. when I, Even when I saw the trailer, I thought I was excited about it. I love and, – and like I said, I really love the concept and the conceit behind it. I love the people involved. Like it's got a great cast of like people that you like and have seen in lots of other things and you're keen to see again. And I just, yeah. I think one of the bigger problems that they had was in trying to make it like the old high, the old war movies from the sixties, like The Great Escape and Bridge on the River Kwai and those sorts of things. Oh yeah, um, that was one of the really big. Because firstly, it doesn't fit in with our modern, like that's not modern filmmaking. No. If you're doing modern filmmaking in this kind of thing, you want to actually make it an homage to that rather than just trying to make it in that style. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of their big mistakes, which led to the the amazing music. But it also meant that, you know, the stakes weren't really there and stuff because we didn't really mm. like. And it was a lot about good old boys hanging yeah. out together, being boys. And I, I don't know about you, but were you the youngest people in your cinema? Because we were. Uh, probably. Well, cl- close to. There was a cer- certainly the cinema was full of people around the age of our dads, the p- kind of guys who want to watch R- Bridge on the River Kwai and those kind of World War Two. Yeah, movies. but I like those. Well, I like, I them like too. But Great I'm, Escape and stuff. I'm going, I don't really I'm like going the somewhere with this, right? I am going somewhere with this, and it, it's kind of a movie from another time that's made for. It kind of, it it appeals to the people who like the originals, and I think mm. that's what they're trying to do. And it sort of came up earlier when you were talking about. The idea that they don't even mention that this so-called cradle of civilization are the very people who went out and colonized a whole lot of other civilizations and stole their art and destroyed their culture, and it kind of and and this is presented without irony. This 1940s attitude that Europe is the center of civilization and the cradle of Western civilization is the most important part of our civilization, and it's presented without irony, mm. and that's why it doesn't really work for a modern audience, and it's probably doesn't achieve what it set out to achieve, I think. It, or an intelligent sort of... It's not smart enough. ...intellectual audience, which is funny because it's got it's a movie about intellectuals. Yeah, there's a kind of a tonal um, discrepancy there. Yeah, or, and, and a sort of a sense of tone deafness, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's just sort of disappointing that it could have been really good and it wasn't. Because, mm. yeah, that's um, right. It's, an, it's a good story that they've picked out here. And when you... Doing World War Two, you've got to do something different because it has been done. But it so could have many been times. different. That's yeah. the thing that all these things I didn't know were in this movie. You know, like yeah. I didn't know about all of this. I mean, I so, knew sort of that they stole art, but I didn't know about this extent of it. No, well, I mean, every, yeah, people know that the Nazis stole art because there's still fights going on about it. There was, I believe, there was Nazi art found in like 2012 hidden in this old German man's apartment in Berlin. Like this is still going on. And the descendants of people who had their stuff stolen are still fighting to get these artworks back. Like, that's still a real going concern. Yeah, I knew about it because it was on an episode of White Collar. That too. But, you know. Well, yeah, no, but there, that's the thing. There's heaps of literature and um, there's – I read a good – I read a really good, like, crime mystery book about someone who'd, who from 
Belgium who'd lost their art and their descendants were fighting for it. And anyway, it, it it's actually a real going hmm. concern. It's an interesting part of the war. This story is interesting. The fact that the army devoted admittedly small and admittedly cheap resources to dealing with this is an interesting story. And as, as I was saying, and like, talking more about the the small and cheap um, resources and all that would have been interesting. like there were a couple of scenes thrown in there where it was like um, they would come up against an army officer and he just wouldn't understand at all what they were trying to do. Yes, like point black point blank wouldn't get it, mm-hmm. and then that's actually how Hugh Bonneville ended up dying because he went to an army officer and they were like, "Now nah, we're not going to do that," um, basically. Yeah. And then he died for, you know, trying to save it. Um, so in Bruges actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite like And that would have that's kind of an interesting interesting thing too, because they it they come they come up against it a couple of times and it's shown that they're really not very popular with the general army and what they're doing, because the army's concerns are not about art. They're it's about, you know, keeping people alive. Which is understandable. Which is more but important. like yeah, there's there's this sort of uh, intellectual debate between keeping people alive and keeping culture alive. Yeah, I suppose which was um, the interesting part of it. But which it- is which is all condensed into Hugh Bonneville's character, mm. who died to keep the culture alive. Who we didn't care about enough to really be <sighs> if worried he had about died him. later in the movie. It would have been better. Yeah, he needed. Well, it needed to be built up more. He we needed to start to really understand why this is important. We need to understand him as a character and why this redemption was important to him. And he's but such we, a good actor that the, he, that they could have used him more. And we ne- also needed to understand that stuff about the importance of culture, not just to be told it. Again, it's something that we're told that this is important, that stealing their culture. There's a heavy over-reliance on voiceover with that, actually. You hear, you hear a lot of Clooney lecturing the rest of them over the radio, and that's, yeah. I think that's how in told. terms of just the art, why the art pieces are important, they do a good job of establishing why they're important just by shooting them. Yes. Like you can see it in the way that they're shot, especially with that, that Gantelta piece and that that statue that's first shot with the light coming behind it. It's shot from below and, you know, it's mm. it's everything is done to try and preserve its beauty. And so when you see it again later, you know instantly what it is. Yeah. So I think that on that front – like, you could tell that Clooney really cared about the art, yeah. if that makes sense. You could. Yeah. Plus, there was this adorable moment, which is, again, Bill Murray and Bob Balaban, where they're desperately looking for the last Ghent altarpiece mm. panel, and they're looking for it everywhere, and Bill Murray goes down on the floor to pick up a pen, and he looks up, and it's the table that they've been doing things on, is the, like, it's just been flipped over, so he flips it over. Um, that was a great moment. I think, yeah. Yeah, it was full of little moments like that, which kind of kept you going. Yeah. Uh, but again, it wasn't enough to make the whole thing work as a, as a piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It had, there were some good things in it, but ultimately it was too lazy. Mm-hmm. Agreed, yeah. And too empty, I think. Like there wasn't any, all of this feeling about the art, all of this emotion connected to it wasn't in there. Yeah. And also, so. but but it, that's the same problem that it had with most of the people. Mm. It was no, the feeling and the emotion and the engagement just wasn't there. Exactly. So it was kind of empty. Yeah. And, it, and, and the, thematically empty. And of. the story didn't really take you along. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. star grade. I gave it two stars. Yeah, I'm going to give it two and a half. So that's it from me. Um, 
Okay, so I guess we'll just wind it up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes or find old episodes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of this or any of the other movies that she watches, you can do that on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to come and talk with us, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at screen underscore queens, or you can find us tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. See you next time.